Hello, Pod Fam, and hello, Rachel. How are you today? I am doing good, Laura. How are you doing today? I am good. I must say, this yoga that we've been doing once a oh. week, the stretch and relax, so good. Man, my hips are feeling so much better, and I never realized how much emotion I carried in them. Yeah, it's like one of those yoga classes where there's a specific name for the type of yoga, but I think it's Hatha. I think it's Hatha too. And you basically stay in a position for like 10 breaths, if not a bit more. Yeah. And anytime we do something in the hips, I just know exactly what mood I need to process because I'll either get like kind of sad or like I think it was last, not this week, but the week before I was like, getting all grumpy and stuff. And I was like, damn. All right. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one because I swear during that class, I always have like a single tear rolling down one eye. Yep. And then like for the next 12 to 24 hours, I'm either like sad or I'm kind of angry. Like it feels Mm -hmm. like something just has to get out. So, you know, for any of our listeners – you you have emotions hiding in there that you didn't know about and they need to come out. So we definitely recommend some yes. gentle stretching for relaxation. Well, I, I did a couple of years ago a Hatha yoga class in, in the city and I can't – I don't know the exact name, but do you know like the straddle pose when you're sitting on the ground and you like kind of spread your legs apart and lean forward? You mean child's pose? No, no, no. Like the one – like you're sitting up. And you spread your legs as like a straddle sort of thing, kind of like you're doing a toe touch. And then you would lean forward with your hands on the floor to like stretch out your hips. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I remember doing that and she had us stay there for like – it felt like freaking 10 minutes. It was probably like three. And yeah, she definitely said like usually that specific position would unlock like some feelings of like frustration and sadness. So if like – you feel some emotion come up, just let it pass and stuff because it's fully normal. And I was like, oh, that's why I always feel a bit grumpy in this position. Oh, okay. No, that that is good to know. And yeah. it's one of those things like, yeah, it feels like you're there for 10 plus minutes, even though it's like mm-hmm. probably 10 breaths. And I just find that your mind, like half the battle is trying to get yourself to focus and not let your oh, mind yeah. wander. Oh my God, I struggle with that so much. And actually, I'm not going to lie, in the class the other night, I mm-hmm. kind of fell asleep. Yep. And then I heard us like, you know, coming back and, and working again. And I was just like, oh shit, <laughs> is mm-hmm. it over? Mm-hmm. Well, it's really easy to, especially if you practice a lot, it's very easy to get like swept into the moment when it's more fast paced and like yes. you're moving from position to position. Maybe you hold something for two, three breaths and then you're on to something else. It's very easy to get lost in the moment and in the feeling in your body. But when you're basically just lying on the ground and they're like, okay, go into a twist or do like figure four and stay there for 10 breaths, it's very hard to not let your mind wander because you're not being demanded to come back into that place of focus. Exactly. And you almost have to learn how to just sit with yourself mm-hmm. and your emotions. Yeah, which is great. It's a good lesson to learn, but sometimes I'm not very good at that. <laughs> no, me neither. But no. that is why we go to class so we can learn. Yes. We're being taught. Exactly. Anyway, yes. what are you having to drink this evening? Well, we're having a uh, bit of a fun, spicy episode this evening, so we decided to break out the beverages again, and I am having um, a Moosehead beer. Oh, my God. I know. I know. See- Are you one of the guys or something? Like, what is that? I know. I'm back in the parents' basement this evening. Just, I was here for dinner, so I stayed and recorded, and- there was no wine left over, and this was all they had. So you're having a beer. So I'm having a beer. I was a bit, you know, sad that there wasn't wine or, like, literally anything else. But you know what? does the trick. And it's actually not that bad. It's like a light beer, so it kind of just tastes like a cider but not as sweet. All right. Well, that's not too bad. I'm having something, not quite a beer, but it's a Krabby's, and it's mm-hmm. an alcoholic 
ginger beer. Interesting. Yes. I've actually never had ginger beer. Oh, have you never had one? I, no. I actually really enjoy them because, you know, it's not like super sweet. You really get like the spice of ginger. Like it's kind of mm-hmm. like having a really strong ginger ale. Mm-hmm. And it's also a little bit carbonated as well. So it's just one of those things when I see it, I like to grab one because it's just super refreshing. Super fresh and refreshing. <laughs> yeah. And then we're both kind of having beer together. Yay. Exactly. Except I don't drink beer. Yeah. I hate beer. I um, hate beer. It's, it's, this one's really not that bad, but will I have it again? Absolutely not. So I can relate to that. But why did we break out the drinks this evening, Laura? Ooh. Oh. Well, we made sure our partners are out of the room this evening. Oh, I literally left the house. <laughs> yeah, you literally left the house. I am in a different part of the house. Because they probably don't want to listen to what we're going to be talking about tonight. And that is living with your significant other. The good, the bad, and the oh my god, why can't you just find a laundry basket and put your clothes in it? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Too soon? You're letting the emotions fly. I love it. But yeah, we decided to do do... some Hatha yoga after this. (laughs) Yes. We decided to do this episode um, because, you know... You've been living with your boyfriend for almost a year now, actually. That's crazy how time flies. I know. And for me, I've been living with mine for like a whole month. So clearly I'm an expert (laughs) on this. So (laughs) anyway, I feel like we've learned enough that we can talk some facts for a bit. Yes, we have. So how about we start off with just living together? You know, it's really tough for Mm -hmm. two people that didn't grow up in the same way yep to then come together and share a house yes and now that we're actually jumping into this it's almost like we should have had them join us on this episode because you and I grew up in very similar ways that we're gonna bring up points and we're gonna be like yes I agree with this where they would be like why do you do that (laughs) like you guys are nuts you guys are nuts but Oh, well, we'll we'll try to bring in their perspectives as well. So that's, uh, you know, full picture. Doesn't make them right. It it doesn't. (laughs) But, you know, we got to toss in the full perspective. (laughs) Yes, I know. All right. You've been there for almost a year. I have been living with my boyfriend for just over a month, I guess now. And I think... A big thing for both of us has been, how do you merge the habits of two very independent people? And I don't know about you, but there have definitely been some, hmm, there have been some nerves that have been rubbed a little Mm bit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So I guess maybe we could give like an example of something and how we worked with it. Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, like we said before, you and your partner probably grew up with different standards Yep. in your homes, values, traditions, um, etiquettes. Mm-hmm. And when you're coming together to create a home, mm-hmm. you know, those things, they do clash a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for me, the first step really is learning about them. Yep. Because until it comes up, you know, for example, like my boyfriend and I, we've been together for many years. Yet when you move in together, that's a game changer. It's a whole different right? ball game. Like, you know, you're now going to 24 7 together, especially during COVID times, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, your partner might not be out doing what they may as much as they had before. Mm -hmm. So you really kind of get like uh, an eyes wide open, like this is truly how your partner lives and they are seeing for the first time how you live. So where there's things that you wouldn't have experienced, whether you're just like staying over for a night or you're just dating, it's like you're getting a look behind the curtain and That is kind of step one. Like you just need to understand what are their habits of just how they go about their day. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of compare them to your own habits. And chances are people 
they're not all going to match. No. You know? <laughs> I think they no. barely match. So that's something that, like, I have kind of struggled with, like, a bit of background on, like, my parents. Like, everything had to be, like, always clean, always in its place. You know, you didn't leave dishes in the sink. It had to be just so. Yes, everything had to be just so. Where in someone else's house, like, if the dishes are in the sink for the day, meh. Like, Mm -hmm. do them later. I think that's one of the biggest things for me is, like, how the house is kept. Yeah. And I know that's not what, like, our whole episode is going to be about, like, housekeeping. But (laughs) for me personally, because that was such a high value in my family, Mm -hmm. and, like, even when I come home to my dad's house, I know where the shoes go. Yes. I know after you use the sink in the bathroom, you make sure there's no water splashed around on the counter. Yep. You know, like, it's it's just that kind of stuff that I'm so used to that when – I live with someone who that's not their norm or -hmm. their practice. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) You're not supposed to do that. Like, and I've had to learn to chill because I probably take things to the extreme Mm -hmm. a little bit. Surprise, surprise. Like it's me. Um, Fair. Yeah. Right. I do the same thing. So yeah. Yeah. But also in return, respect for my partner, you know, he has had to pull up his socks so mm-hmm. to say, and mm-hmm. not be such a a slob in a way. <laughs> I'm just, and that's a, that's too harsh. That's really too harsh of how I'm describing him. You can't but really in my find moment, another word for it, though. Like it's it's a way. Um, hmm, in my good? moments of frustration, that is the word that comes up. Yeah, and then he sees that I'm frustrated, and he fixes it all. So he's mm-hmm. learning. He's learning. <laughs> Yes. This was definitely something, especially in like the first couple of weeks of us living together, like really reared its ugly head because you and I had very similar upbringings. And I just find that it's been interesting for me because there are certain things that I now do in my apartment with my boyfriend that I would not do with roommates, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, okay, well, think about how you kept your bedroom, which was your space in the apartment that you rented with two other people, shall we say, like that was just your space. Yeah. And when I was living with roommates, I kept my room very, very clean. Like that was the place that I had full control over where in kind of those common areas, especially when it's kind of the environment of feeling like it's just there's three other people, they just share this space, but it's not their home together. It was kind of like a free for all. Like, I, I didn't love it, but I was like, okay, I'm not going to harp on crumbs being on the floor because it's not my space. But when you're with a partner and you're building a home, that whole apartment is your space. Yeah. And I think you almost have to think of like you're, you're laying down the foundation. Yes. Of how you want your home to be as you move forward. And, you know, maybe you buy a house, maybe you have children. If you have children, what are you going to teach them about how to maintain the house? And something that you had mentioned a little bit and the word that I used to describe it is I had to learn very quickly the art of compromise when it came to how to keep the house because there's just been little things that me growing up I would never do. So when I'm trying to build this foundation of my home, I'm like, don't do it. And I did I did ask him about this, but I'm going to use an example. He gave me permission to talk about it. Oh, good. But for the first week or so when he was cooking in the kitchen he would leave cupboards open and that just I don't know what came over me but it grinded my gears to no end like it drove me up a wall (laughs) which I'm just like girl are you good and it was like a point of contention which is why I want to talk about it because it was definitely two people who had always you know been living that kind of roommate life they've never had to merge their life with somebody before so for that first week and a half it kind of felt like we were living like we were still in those roommate situations where we were like doing our own thing and eventually like we had a big talk about it where like I expressed my feelings of how it was making me feel he expressed his and we found a good compromise together where I basically said like, okay, I will work really hard that if you are cooking in the kitchen, it's easier for you to leave the pantry door open because you need to get in there. So I will compromise on that and not 
go around behind you closing all the cupboards. <laughs> Which With I did. just a little bit of force so he knows With you're just mad. a little bit of force. But what I re- expected in return as our point of compromise is like, okay, when you're done cooking in the kitchen, please close the cupboards. But it was like something that we found that was a good middle ground that still eased each other's desire for how they wanted to operate with the kitchen cupboards. It worked for both of us. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a great way to start off those conversations because I think it's so easy for us to just jump to anger mm-hmm. and be like, no, this is how it has to be. Like, you're wrong and mm-hmm. my way is the correct way. Yeah. You know, you're in a partnership, mm-hmm. right? So you really do have to find that compromise. And just how he had to raise some of his standards, you had to adjust some of your expectations. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you could meet in the middle and and both be happier or else one person's going to be resenting the other. I definitely agree with that. And one point that I wanted to add before we move on to our next thoughts was that, as we said, we acknowledge how our way of going about living in our way about keeping the house is pretty reflective of how we grew up. And in determining that compromise and working with each other, it's good to also acknowledge, okay, the way that they're doing things is also because of their upbringing. Right. And what influences surrounded them that this is now how they choose to express themselves in their home. And then, okay, how do we bring those two together? Mm-hmm. So it's just both respecting where the other person is coming from, from like a deep level. Yes. So really one of the com- key components there is communicating, which I think is going to be a huge highlight in this episode this evening. But mm-hmm. Rachel, my question for you yes. is when you wanted to bring up this issue, mm-hmm. was that a very difficult first step? Bringing it oh, up yeah. instead of resorting just to resentment, silent treatment, Mm-hmm. anger, you know, how how were you feeling when you went to go do that? Yeah, it was definitely difficult because I, I would make comments about it at first, but it felt like I wasn't really being heard and I hadn't quite figured out what my feelings towards it were yet. And I definitely had a moment where I wasn't giving him the silent treatment, but it took up a lot of courage yes. to say something. So I remember you definitely have experienced this in me before where like I get very quiet for about five minutes mm-hmm. and then suddenly I'm like, can we, can we talk about the cupboards, please? <laughs> and then we finally have that conversation. But it was very difficult for me at first because how you keep your house is a very mundane thing, really, that when you have to merge it with somebody else, it's very difficult to be like, okay, So what is actually going on in my head and why do I have this huge problem with how the cupboards are kept? So it goes from a very surface level thing to suddenly a very deep conversation, which is a lot to take in. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is a very common problem among couples living together because, you know, there's just that struggle of where's that line going to fall of, you know, who does what how is it done, and and so on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think uh, cleaning is, is a huge topic for people, and you should be sharing the workload. Mm-hmm. But sometimes to let things lie, you need to compromise again on like, okay, you don't mind taking out the garbage. Yeah. Where, where me, I don't mind cleaning the bathroom. Yep. Right. So it's finding those compromises there because I Mm -hmm. have been in, I'm going to go back to a roommate situation where I've been in a roommate situation. This is like one of my first ones out of um, high school. Yeah. Yeah. Out of high school and first couple years of university Mm -hmm. where I was sharing a bathroom with a friend Mm -hmm. and she was very much like, okay, everything's got to be down the middle. Like I do it one week, you do it the other. Yep. Where I'm just like, well, how about we share the workload where mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll, I'll scrub the toilet, you scrub the, the shower, and, mm-hmm. and so on. So sometimes it's just finding what works for people. Maybe some people, they're like, okay, you take the bathroom this week, I'll take the kitchen this week. Mm-hmm. Where for someone else, it's just like, I'm never going to scrub a toilet in my life, but mm-hmm. I don't care if I take the garbage out. It's playing to each other's strengths. 
funny that you actually brought this up because that was going to be my question for you Mm -hmm. was how do you split up that workload in a way that works for you and your partner? And yeah, I definitely think it's just playing to each other's strengths of, okay, what do you like to do? Because odds are it's different. Like an example in my house, he loves to cook. Okay. I don't really want to. But for me, I will happily clean the bathroom and make the bed every day. So that's something that we've found that works for us. I don't have to cook. He doesn't have to clean the bathroom. Yeah, no, and I think that's a perfect thing. Like for me, I don't take out the garbage and the recycling. My boyfriend does that. But I am more than happy to wash dishes and, Mm -hmm. you know, clean the bathroom. (laughs) Bathroom is a huge – I like a clean bathroom (laughs) if anyone can't tell. But then another thing, like when it comes down to laundry, he is very good at putting in a load Mm -hmm. all the time. Is he ever going to fold a shirt? Probably not. But then (laughs) that is something where I don't mind doing that because he's already gone through the whole washing and drying process. Yes. So I'm like, okay, no problem. I'll fold the shirts like when they all come out. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day for me, like as long as it gets done, I'm like, cool. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel like your mother who's picking up after you. Like you're a grown ass man or -hmm. woman, whoever your partner is. And you know, they should be able to pull their own weight. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of my huge things that I don't like to see in relationship if it's always falling on one person. Yes, I agree. Because that's just not fair. At the end of the day, that is not fair. Like, sure, maybe you don't mind being that person, but Mm -hmm. to me, like to me personally, that's just not equality when it comes to a partnership. Oh, I 100% agree. Yeah. Like, especially in in this modern day, you're both likely working full-time jobs. You know, one person shouldn't have to work a full-time job, come home, take care of the kids, come home, clean the house, come Mm -hmm. home and do all the cooking. It's it's 2021. There needs to be some equality there. Mm -hmm. Before we jump off of the topic of, I guess, merging your lives, just so we don't focus just on cleaning the house, even though (laughs) I love talking about cleaning the house. That is just the easiest thing for us to pick apart. So I'm sorry. It really is. Listeners, this is why it kind of focused on cleaning. Yes. This is something that I'm still figuring out and I think is something that a lot of people question when they move in with their partner. But how, you know, you're living together for X amount of time, you figured out what works for each other, what are your habits, how can you have a harmonious household? But then how do you take that and where do you distinguish what is just a normal night where you cook dinner, watch a show, go to bed and like date night? Mm, How do you distinguish that is my question. Yeah, I think that's been a huge struggle. I know for me personally in this past year just with COVID because Mm -hmm. it's not like we've had those traditional like, okay, let's go out for dinner, um, Mm -hmm. see a movie, go to a concert, like. We haven't had those external activities to go do together. So yeah, I'm, I'm still personally probably trying to find that divide mm-hmm. of, okay, like tonight is special and, you know, last night I wanted to go do yoga and you were watching hockey. So like we just kind of quickly had dinner together, but then went and did our own things, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's really tough. Like I think for my boyfriend and I, sometimes we'll be like, okay, like let's go to the liquor store where we're going to both get ourselves like a nice cider Mm -hmm. to have each and um, we make dinner together. We might like play Scrabble or something Mm -hmm. over dinner or Mm -hmm. just sit and talk. So what about for you though? Like have you kind of found that divide? A a bit. We're still figuring it out because right now we're both very busy. But I do have like two examples. So like earlier this week, he put on like a birthday dinner for me at home. Mm -hmm. right and like he makes me dinner every night it was kind of like okay like where's the difference I don't want to sound that's I just don't know how else to word that but what was the distinguisher but like all he kind of did was like you know wore something nice he pulled out my chair for me and like we lit some candlesticks okay right yeah maybe it's the small actions that yeah so it like made an environment and another night it was instead of just being like okay it's eight o'clock at night let's just put on some episodes of outlander and go to bed we like sat down and picked out a movie together after Mm -hmm. dinner and had some ciders okay yeah so it's just like the little things of making it almost like an activity together 
Right. Yeah. Especially during these times right now, like it's so hard to find that distinction of date night. And yeah, I think, I think you're on the right track there where it is just the little things because, you know, like we said before, you are spending 24 seven together. Not Mm -hmm. everything's going to be a high, right? Like there's a lot of lulls, a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a nice way to break it up and then just kind of make it about your relationship and not just about your mundane day-to-day living together. Yes. And if our listeners have any ideas, please let us know over Instagram because I would love to know Oh, please. if you have some DM ideas. DM us some indoor date night activities. Yes. Like a puzzle. I think that would be fun. Oh, yeah. Like we definitely did that over the winter last year. Mm-hmm. And it was fun because it was, you know, one of those big like thousand piece puzzles. It took us a few days to do it. And it's not like we were just sitting there watching TV. Love a good puzzle. It's great for date night. But now that we have talked about merging our lives, I think it's a good time to talk about how you maintain your own kind of independent circle and also take your space within the space you now share with your partner. Yes, this one is so important. We really talked about it also in our relationships episode uh, a few weeks ago. And it's so important that you maintain your individuality within a Mm -hmm. relationship because, okay, I don't want to sound like a downer here, but you know, (laughs) if that that relationship isn't always going to be, you don't want to lose yourself in your sense of identity. And I don't know, like I personally think like I'm a very independent person I always have been Mm -hmm. and I really value my time to myself it's also part of my personality where I'm an introvert so I can only be around not not so much like my partner it's not like he's sucking my energy as if like I was at a social event but I still find it really important for me to go do my own things or to just be by myself for a little bit it really gives me a chance to recharge Mm -hmm. so what are your thoughts on that yeah I I agree and one thing that I we've been doing at least is figuring out the balance between like, okay, we have dinner together and then do a workout, but we're also working really hard to not slack on our other more professional responsibilities. So for him, it's studying and for me, it's editing. Mm-hmm. Something that we've found is like, okay, we can be in the room together, but we're both in our own little worlds. And that's been very helpful, but it has been an effort that we've been working on pretty much for our whole relationship of, okay, how do we allocate time accordingly where we're not slacking on our relationship, but we're not also slacking on work. And I hope we're finding a good balance, but also, yeah, having your own independent thing to do. So for instance, each weekend I go off by myself for my singing lesson. And that's like just about me. And he'll maybe go do something else that I'm not involved in. And it's just having that separation and maintaining something that's just for you that I think is so important to keeping your sense of independence and sense of self. Exactly. Like for me, it's going to go ride my horses. And that's something I don't share with a lot of other people. And I love that it's just for me and that's my time. So yeah, and I think when you first get into a relationship, it's so hard not to be consumed by each Mm -hmm. other because you really Mm -hmm. just want to spend like every day together but when you do live with each other it's a lot of time and chances are in a perfect like in a perfect world yes you want to spend like 24 7 together maybe but in reality is you do need a little bit of space and it's okay if you feel like you need to go on a short holiday by yourself don't feel bad about that like Take a holiday. Take some time for yourself. I think women especially, we get like there's so much expectation for us to always be there and be that supporting partner where, you know, it's not the 1950s anymore. We're allowed to have our own lives that are outside of our partner. So I cannot advocate for that enough. Just maintain your own thing, you know, keep going for your own goals or whatever you want to achieve. You can still do that. And whether your partner wants to do that with you or not, doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Just go do it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I I really agree with that. And just to go to a more mundane aspect of life, I also think it's super important to have open communication on when you need to do something within the house alone. 
So Mm -hmm. say you always do your workouts together. That's something that my partner and I do pretty frequently. Developing that line of communication where you can say to them one day, like, okay, I know that we usually do this together, but I really would like to just go outside on the balcony and do some yoga by myself and to not feel guilty about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially when you first move in together, again, like having to bring up the the communication of something, Mm -hmm. that's also a very hard first step because it's like, I, like I'm not mad at you. It's yeah. not like I don't want to be with you. It's just learning to respect each other's space and time alone because I think we automatically default to that where like if your partner says, oh, like I just want to go out with the guys or, you know, I just want to go read my book or whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. we cannot take that to heart. And it's so no. hard not to because I know like I've caught myself doing it and it's kind of like that double standard where for me, I was like, well, I'm going to go off and do my own thing. And it's cool. But then when like roles reversed, and he wanted to go off and do his own thing, I was like, oh, my God, like, are you mad at me? You know, um, Mm -hmm. it was very anxiety inducing, because Mm -hmm. I was not used to that. Yeah. And now I'm just like, I kind of recognize the sign. I'm just like, okay, like, I know you need some time by yourself. Like, especially right now, you know, we've both been home all day Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'm going to respect that and like not come sitting downstairs with you. Like I'm going to go do something else upstairs Mm -hmm. or like I might go out for like a coffee or like dessert, whatever, whatever I go out and do. Um, Yes. Just so he can have that time to himself. Mm -hmm. And then when I come back, it's just like, oh, yeah, you're back. Like, you know, he's kind of recharged. So very much in the way like I need to recharge by myself. He -hmm. does as well. And it's just respecting that and not being offended. Yeah, maybe a good perspective to take when you're the one who's asking for that space saying, okay, I want to go do yoga by myself tonight instead of together. You kind of shift your perspective on it to thinking, okay, maybe they're really going to appreciate having time to themselves. Maybe they don't know how to ask for it either. Yeah, absolutely. Guilt is like the perfect emotion Mm -hmm. that comes up when you are the person who is going out to do their own thing. And yeah, it's really just communicating again Mm -hmm. and accepting that, you know, your partner might want to go do their own thing and there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. It's not like there's something wrong with your relationship if you don't want to spend every waking minute together. Mm -hmm. And just starting that guilt-free communication as early as possible. Yes, absolutely. Some people might be living with somebody for two plus years and are struggling with this, you can always just start by having a conversation with your partner and then instilling that together. Because I'm sure like whether you've been living together for a month or two years, your partner is only just going to appreciate it. Exactly. And if not, fuck them. Reassess that. Reassess that. (laughs) I don't like that. (laughs) I think that's a good indicator to know if you're in a controlling relationship or not. Yes. Like if you can't get away to be by yourself, reassess your life choices, girl. Yeah. Like if you can't even have a yoga session by yourself without them breathing down your neck, like, oh boy, that's a big red flag. Yes, it is. Yeah. Merging your lives, very important, but space to yourself, just as important. Absolutely. And I think we should move into our other topic And this one is quite a hot button topic because more people would like to talk about their sex life than their finances. I did not know where that was going. And I was just like, oh, (laughs) what are we talking about today? (laughs) Oh, shit. She's bringing up a new topic and she didn't tell me. (laughs) I know. I was just like, wait, are we talking about this? Okay. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, finances in a relationship. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so this is definitely a tricky spot, but Mm -hmm. I think the main lesson here is honesty. Yes. Because what comes with merging a household is the expenses to maintain it. So whether Mm -hmm. that is rent, mortgage, any bills, it doesn't matter. And there are a few different ways to approach this. Mm -hmm. I don't personally know what is like the best way. I think it really depends on your circumstance. Yep. But I find what most people rush out to do is open up a joint bank account. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. And I I understand why. And I just, uh, I have a lot of reservations about all of it. Like no matter what choice you're making, 
-hmm. you need to understand the consequences it may have Mm -hmm. should your relationship ever dissolve. Yeah. And I feel like we're talking about like cohabs here and like prenups that no one ever wants to talk (laughs) talk about, but they are important. And I think they are becoming more common, Mm -hmm. especially as people choose not to get married until later, Mm -hmm. yet they are openly agreeing to buying a house together or living together in general. Yeah. This would be an interesting talking point to assess the differences between us, if there are any really. But when would you be comfortable if you ever did with getting a joint bank account? For me, oh gosh, it's, you know, this is a conversation my boyfriend and I had have had. You know, we've looked at the options. So let's, let's start at like the base level where all of your finances stay separate. And it's almost like you're keeping tabs of who is spending what and you try and balance that out. So, you know, maybe you're grocery shopping and if your grocery bill is like more or less the same every week, maybe Mm -hmm. you alternate or maybe you split it at the cash. There's other situations where, you know, like when my boyfriend and I were buying furniture, I think I paid for the mattress and bed, but he paid for the two dressers and then it balanced out to be the same or like someone just e-transferred the other person. So I think that from a personal standpoint is the safest thing you can do because your partner won't have claim on your finances because they're literally separate. The other thing you can do is you can have a credit card Mm -hmm. and let's say one of you opens up an additional credit card and makes your partner like a user. Yep. This one, I'm I'm not opposed to this. However, Mm -hmm. it's dangerous. Because it's not the same as opening up a joint account that you both fund. The thing is, whoever is that primary user on the credit card, they are the ones liable for paying the bill. The secondary user is not. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of worried, like, if something ever went south on the relationship and Mm -hmm. you were that person on the credit card holder and your partner racked up all those bills, Mm -hmm. you're not going to see that money. You know, but you're going to be the one liable to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So again, another option, but that one is going to have risk to whoever is the credit card holder. And, you know, the thing is you can draw up agreements and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like when it comes to that kind of stuff, those personal agreements can just be words on a page and you might not be able to like hold that up in court Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. So... Again, kind of risky. And then when it comes to joint accounts, like this one is definitely the easiest for making payments out of Mm -hmm. because it's both of your money. And maybe let's say you both put like $500 each into this bank account. But again, if that relationship were ever to change, that money could be locked up. Your partner could empty that bank account Mm -hmm. without your permission and you could be out a lot of money. So. I feel like I did not offer a good solution anywhere. And trust me, there's lots of solutions, but they all come with their their downside. And I don't know, like, like you can trust your partner all you want, but there's always that risk. Mm-hmm. And I think whatever choice you take, you need to understand that risk and make sure you're protecting yourself. Because obviously, like, let's say you put your whole paycheck into a joint account and all of a sudden your partner up and leaves and em- empties it, like, you have no mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get that money back. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Like, I feel like I'm being a Debbie Downer over here. So I don't know. Maybe you have something more enlightening to say on this. Yeah. Well, I think for me, if I was ever to get a joint bank account, which I, I do think have their purposes, I definitely think that it's more of a thing with the older generations. That was a very common thing. And I can't remember if we discussed it in our millennial episode, but millennials do get like a lot of flack for not wanting to get joint bank accounts with partners they're like oh well don't you want to merge your lives together it's like yes but like do we need joint bank accounts yeah like honestly in my personal opinion if you're married doesn't matter if you have individual accounts or not like what's mine is yours but when you're not married I just Mm -hmm. believe in that buffer yes I would open one when I got engaged Mm -hmm. and I knew I was going to be marrying this person but That's also something you need to consider just bringing up the marriage side is at least in Canada through um, common law, if you've lived together for three years, you're essentially married in the eyes of taxation and the law. 
Yes. So that's something that you have to consider when you move in with somebody. You have to consider, okay, what are their attitudes towards money? Like, are they a spender? Are they a saver? Does our opinion on money and our views on it align? Because then you're going to get three years down the road, at least in Ontario. And again, like you said, what's yours is mine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's very important to know if your partner has like $50,000 worth of credit card debt. Yes. You need to know that. Yeah. Because as soon as you become common law or married, that's now your debt Mm -hmm. as well. And you could be like the anti-debt person, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. In the eyes of the law, it's not going to matter. No. You can get a cohabitation agreement. And I know people don't like to talk about it, but I do think that it is beneficial. I think more young people, once they are getting into these long-term relationships and eventual common law marriage, Mm -hmm. they need to have them. Like, it's just being smart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're with a partner who's really resisting that, well, I would have a lot of other questions then. Oh, absolutely. Right? Because in terms of my partner, like, we are very open about our financials and we agree a lot Mm -hmm. on our values and principles of how to deal with money. And if I was with someone who didn't want to protect their own finances, you know, I'd be raising my eyebrows a little bit because surely if anything ever happened, he wouldn't want me to have claim on his like registered accounts, right? Or his investment accounts. Yeah, absolutely. It's an insurance policy. It is. That's exactly how to put it. It's it's an insurance policy. Yeah. And right from like the get go, you still have to figure out together, okay, what savings goals do we have or do we want to invest X amount a year as opposed to just, oh, we covered our expenses, go spend the rest of it. Right. Like just have those conversations and some guidelines about when it's money that you can use as you please. Where is that going to go and what shared values do we have around that type of money? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it. Now, what are your thoughts on the 50-50 split? The 50-50 split of expenses? Yeah. So as in rent is $2,000, I pay 1000 he pays 1000 Yeah, like do you think that's fair across the board? Hmm, um, that's actually a very interesting question because I think it depends. Yeah, I do as well. And like one thought, like school of thought that I love Mm -hmm. is basing your expenses and the portion that you pay Mm -hmm. based on your income and your salary. Yes. Which I think this has to be probably one of the hardest conversations to have with a partner as well. Yeah, I actually hadn't thought about that. (laughs) Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. And let's just use an example here. So let's say you make $60,000 and your partner only makes forty. dollars is it fair for you to both be paying 50-50? Or should you change that split to a 60-40 and then it's more relative mm-hmm. to your income? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that depends on the level of, I guess, lifestyle inflation because of the higher earning partner salary. So say you work out a budget together when you're picking an apartment and I'm just using 2000 as an example. If it's a case where it's something you determine together where you could both afford all of your expenses 50-50 and then had some spending money and some saving money, I think that 50-50 split down the middle is fair. Mm -hmm. But say because you're earning more, you're suddenly like, oh, well, I want the $2,400 apartment. Then I don't think it's fair. Yeah, like that's kind of what I agree on as well. Like especially like if your partner was making $100,000 and you were only making twenty, dollars well – you know, they might be able to perfectly afford that $3,000 apartment, but the person with the $20,000 salary probably isn't going to be able to pay $1,500 a month. I think it's about, are you equalizing what you can afford? Like, are you equalizing your lifestyle or is it inflated in one direction? And where do you go from there? Yeah. I think, again, it's very important that you have this conversation with your partner because if they're the one with the more liquidity, you know, they could be talking about all these grand plans and all that, but you might not be able to financially afford that. Yep. And it's very important to communicate that, you know, okay, it's great you want that $2,400 apartment. I can only afford the $2,000 apartment. So yeah. if you want that $2,400 apartment, are you willing to pay that extra $400 to make up for it? Yep. And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking, like, 
These are the primary questions you need to ask your partner when you go to move in with each other. Because if it's not working now, you know, it's not going to work down the road. No. And these are just important things to find out first. Yeah. And I mean, just the base decision of what apartment are you going to live in? If you're already going into your cohabitation in a financially strained position, it's not setting off on the right foot. Yeah. And I think if you're the person with the upper hand, it's also having compassion and understanding for your partner. Mm -hmm. Because to me, like if I made a significant more amount of money than my partner, I wouldn't want to see them struggling. No. Just to pay for basic, like our basic expenses. You mm -hmm. know, they, and they, they weren't able to put away any money yeah. or pay off their school, like whatever, whatever they want to do. I just want to bring that up because I think it's important for people to keep an open mind yeah. because a lot of the time it does get stuck on 50-50 yeah. where likely the pay isn't 50-50. Mm -hmm. I have a alternative way to look at that 50-50 rule that's not so much related to pay mm -hmm. that I wanted to gauge your thoughts on. And it's how do you make that split when it comes to the consumption of your necessities? You know, I am 5'4", right? I'm pretty small. I don't eat very much. My partner is six foot. He eats a lot more than I do. Do you think in that case it's fair for like say the grocery bill to be 60-40 or 70-30 or should it be 50-50? I think it very much applies to the same rules. First of all, you have to like identify it with your partner being like, hey, you're the one who buys all of the, the snacks and value pack of ground beef and eat it all by yourself where I don't. Mm -hmm. So I think that's still like just a conversation you would have to have with your partner and see if they would be open to spending a little bit more on the grocery bill just mm -hmm. to balance that out. Like again, maybe for the internet, you know, one partner's working at home and the other isn't and they don't even own a computer. Mm -hmm. You know, Maybe the partner who is always on the internet should be paying that bill. So I think it's very much based on just the circumstances mm -hmm. around that. Because if you truly aren't using a service, like if you lived on your own, you wouldn't pay for it. So I think you need to have that open conversation with your partner and just say, hey, you know, I don't even use this. If you want to keep it, can you pay for it? And it's kind of being blunt like that. You know, a reasonable partner shouldn't put up a fight mm -hmm. when it comes to something like that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And on the topic of financial conversations with your partner, I was wondering if you have any thoughts or advice that you could give our listeners who maybe they're just moving in with a partner for the first time or say they've been living with them for a while, but they want to ha start having more conversations about money and finances. How can they approach that topic for the first time? Like, do you think starting a conversation around budgeting is good or maybe saying, I want to set a savings goal? Can we talk about that? How, do, how can we go about that? Mm, again, like such a hard thing to start talking. And I'm trying to put my shoes in, in like someone else's position because like, I'm someone who has learned to be very open about yeah. my finances, like with my partner especially. So, you know, most people, like I said at the beginning of this topic, who would rather talk about their sex life than their finances. Mm -hmm. And I, I liked the point that you said there about bringing up the budgeting or, mm -hmm. you know, saying you just want to reach a goal. I think that's a really great intro yep. to get the money topic going. Because most people are not going to be like, hey, so I have like $30,000 worth of student debt. How much do you have? Like, <laughs> you know, hats off to people who do that. But the average person probably doesn't do that, especially no. when it comes to credit card debt. Like, they're probably not going to admit that even if they have like, I don't know, like $1,000 of credit card debt, they don't want to admit that to their partner because they don't want them to be ashamed of them or yeah. whatever term that is. And no one should have shame around that. But we do. It's just how yep. we default ourselves. So, yeah, I do like that opening the conversation of just like, hey, you know, I would really like to save $200 a month because I want to open up an investing account. And that might get your partner talking mm -hmm. as well, because then you open that question up being like, do you have any savings goals? Like, do you have an investment account? Like, what are your thoughts on this? You know, mm -hmm. it's just starting by asking the questions. Another thing you can do, I think, is laying out your expenses, that you have mm -hmm. together and maybe you also throw in ones that you have for just yourself then you both get an understanding of just like okay this is how much money we both have going out the door each month and then hopefully like I hope couples are sharing how much they make like mm -hmm. 
I think that's a fairly safe thing and you shouldn't feel ashamed of your salary or wage based yep. on your partner because this is this is having an intimate conversation with someone you love mm-hmm. and they should be supportive of it. I think that's a lot of our fears is that our partner is going to love us less or judge us maybe because mm-hmm. we don't have $5,000 in our savings account. We could be in debt and we're so worried about losing love that I think it's something you have to put aside just to get those conversations going. I think asking questions is the best because your partner is also probably very scared as well to talk about this kind of stuff. And if you think about the average household of how people grew up, most parents did not talk to their children about money and financial habits. Yep. And this could be a challenge for both of you to take on because maybe both of you are not very financially literate, but you both want to get better. Mm -hmm. Make a date night out of it. Watch YouTube videos on becoming financially literate. So those are my thoughts. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah. And just leading off of that, I think by opening up those conversations and asking more questions of what are your savings goals? Do you want to open an investment account? Can eventually get you to a place where you're more comfortable and lead you down that road where if you do have a significant amount of debt that you want to pay down and it just opens that door for those conversations and you feel safe to have them. You don't feel like you're just like naked in the street. <laughs> yeah. And it. I think it's it's like snowball effect, right? And especially if like yeah. if couples can be like having intimate conversations about their money, there is nothing you can talk about. Oh, absolutely. Because that is literally the scariest thing <laughs> Yeah, to be open about your money and your finances. But I think it truly is a foundation of building a good household, right? Like there, there shouldn't be secrets. And you should both more or less be compatible on your mm-hmm. spending habits or else I think that would cause a lot of resentment in a relationship. Yeah. Especially if you had a partner who was like totally okay with tens of thousands of dollars worth of credit card debt and you mm-hmm. weren't. I think that's something that's going to catch up to you in the long run. Yeah. Communication, communication, communication. Yes. It's the theme of this entire episode. <laughs> it is. It's the hardest thing, even though it sounds so simple. It's so hard. I know. I know. But it's so rewarding for your relationship. Yeah. And I think it just, like, I know for my partner and I, when whenever we have an intimate conversation of like our hopes and dreams or our finances, you know, whatever, I feel like it brings us so much closer. Yeah. And I feel safe to share more. Mm -hmm. So I think it is one of those wonderful steps that can lead you to having a a better relationship. I agree. And I think that's a wonderful point to leave us off on this evening. All right. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Well, as usual, like I want to hear our listeners' thoughts on this, you know. Is there anything that resonated with you or you completely do not agree with or something (laughs) we didn't even consider? You know, definitely let us know on Instagram. It's the tea with Laura and Rachel is our handle. DM us, comment on our posts. Please follow us. Please follow us. And then don't forget (laughs) to download, subscribe and share this episode. And if you so desire, you can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate it. Yes, we would. We we really would. Please do it. Thank you. <laughs> We're not desperate or anything. <laughs> not at all. Okay, I think um, it's time to go. <laughs> yes. So everyone, live like tea. Live like tea. <laughs>